All right, welcome my friends to Declaring Liberty. I am your host, Mark Pantano, your independent voice for conservatism, for the Constitution, and for a serious patriotism. We don't do blind loyalty here, not of anyone. We are committed to the country, to issues, and we hold the people we elect accountable. That's what we do here. We don't do blind loyalty. In my opinion, blind loyalty has no place in American politics. It's a completely un-American perspective as far as I'm concerned. You know, we ditched blind loyalty when we threw off the crown. I'm not about to go back to it. Okay. Listen, this is the first episode of the new year. I hope you had an enjoyable break since last I spoke with you. I myself did a lot of thinking over that time. I'm still working through a lot of things, thinking about them. One of the things, I'll just be frank with you, one of the things I'm still kicking around in my head is whether or not to even continue doing this. You know, the the political commentary. Here on the podcast, on social media, on my website, um, the various... uh, you know, uh, radio jobs that I do here and there. I don't know that I even want to bother with it anymore, to be honest with you. It takes a lot of time. And, you know, it's increasingly an aggravating endeavor. Just incredibly aggravating. Frustrating. And sometimes I'm like, who needs this crap? And here's the main reason. Now, before I get to it, let me just say this real quick. Because some people may be tuning in for the first time. And, you know, you don't really know me. Maybe you've heard me here or there a little bit. Or maybe you haven't heard me at all and just came across this podcast. And like, oh, conservative guy, constitution, okay. Uh, Let me listen to that. And you might have certain expectations of what you're going to hear when you listen to this show. And you might think, oh, he's probably like Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh and Dan Bongino and people like that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm nothing, nothing like that. Now, we might agree on most of the issues, but it is in the approach where I bear zero resemblance to any of those folks. So, you need to know that going in. Now, here's what you also need to know. You're going to hear criticisms of people you like, almost certainly. In particular, the president. Now, you need to understand, I don't have anything against the president. Nothing at all. I don't dislike the president. I don't like him either. I don't know the guy. I don't personally like or dislike any of these people in Washington. I couldn't care less. I'm not having them over to my house for dinner. There are people I vote for or don't vote for. That's it. That's where where it begins and ends. So it's nothing personal at all. I told you, you this is a place for serious patriotism. That's what I strive to do here. I try to be honest in my approach. And I, 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 I don't blindly support anyone. I, and what has happened in the Republican Party, and this is my problem. This is what's made, it, made me question whether I even want to bother with this anymore. 
what has happened in the Republican Party and the conservative movement to the extent such a thing exists at all is that the focus isn't on issues really at all. Issues really have become secondary. What happens in, to the future of the country really has come, become secondary to the personality of Donald Trump. And this is not a comment on Trump. This is a comment on the party. This is a comment on the voters. This is a comment of, on us and how we relate to Trump. I have seen a shift over the last few years. And there was some of this before Trump even took office, before he was even elected. But it has gotten worse with each passing day. And right now, it's off the charts. And it's this blind loyalty. This unquestioning devotion. Which to me is just a completely foreign concept and completely incompatible with Americanism. Blind loyalty, blind allegiance to a person, to a politician, that's not how it's supposed to work. We're supposed to make the best choice we can when we vote based upon the, the choices that we have. And usually the choices suck and we got to choose the lesser of two evils. But even if you, whoever you vote for, even if you think that person is the greatest person ever... You're not supposed to just give them, whoever it is, your blind loyalty. You, you vote for the best choice you have. And then you hold them accountable. You speak out when you need to. Yeah, fine. Applaud them when they do something good. That's great. But when they do something that isn't, you need to speak out. And it's not just to criticize for the sake of criticizing. It's in an effort to influence them. Why do you think in the First Amendment we have the right to petition our government for a redress of grievances? That's about holding politicians accountable while they're in office. You know, accountability isn't just voting them out if you don't like what they're doing. That's, yeah, that's a form of accountability. But that's not where it ends. You're supposed to stay on these people while they're in office. Speak out. When the issues require you to do so. Oh, every time it seems that I do the podcast lately, my dog starts barking. Let's see if she's going to stop. Doesn't appear she's going to stop. Hold on a second, will you? All right. She stopped for the moment. We'll see. Okay. She screwed me up. I don't know where I was now. No, whatever. We need to hold our elected representatives and our president accountable. We need to try to influence them while they're in office. That's why speaking out is important. Stop them from doing bad things that they might be contemplating. Try to urge them to do things that they should be doing. That's how it's supposed to work. But we don't do that anymore. For the most part, we've just given ourselves over to a cult of personality. It's just blind allegiance to President Trump. I've never seen anything like this in my life. The only thing that comes close are the Obama drones on the left. But this, in my opinion, is far worse. And I've never seen it in the Republican Party at all.
Ever. I've never seen anything like this. Certainly hasn't happened in my time, my lifetime, and I've been, you know, I'm not that old, but I've been keeping up on politics very closely for a couple of decades anyway. I've never seen anything like this. And it is so unhealthy. And the reason it's unhealthy is because we have completely lost our ability to influence the president. And we must influence the president. Because here's the deal. The single most important issue, bar none, nothing else is even close, is illegal immigration. You've heard me say it before. We are losing the country. Literally, this is not hyperbole. Politically, we are losing the country. We are watching the disintegration of the United States in real time because of illegal immigration. We are being invaded. We have been for decades. And it is worse now than ever. Because the entire world knows that we're not serious about our sovereignty. We're not serious about protecting this country. We're not serious about stopping illegal immigration. That's why it's off the charts. You know, it, it, it went down precipitously at the beginning of Trump's presidency when he took office because the world believed he was going to crack down. But once the world saw that he wasn't actually cracking down, the numbers went through the roof. And they started coming in here by the millions. We've had, God only knows, we don't even know how many have come here since the beginning of Trump's presidency. But it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 3 million. We really don't know. All we can do is take a look at the apprehensions that we know of and then extrapolate how many more got in that we didn't apprehend, which is many more times than the ones we have apprehended. So probably 3 million is a good guess. But it's just a guess. But it's a crazy number, whatever it is. And it just keeps coming. And it just keeps coming. Because we're not serious. Now, I understand that Trump has been shot down a bunch. He hasn't gotten any help from Congress. All of that's true. But there is much that he can do that the Supreme Court has already affirmed he has a right to do that he doesn't do. Okay? And we need to get him to do those things. And we'll talk about those things more. I've talked about them before. Go back and listen to past episodes. He could put the military on the border right now, order them to secure it. He is commander-in-chief of the United States military. He could do that now. He could shut down this phony asylum process. He can do mass deportations. There's nothing stopping him from doing this stuff. He could be prosecuting employers who hire illegal aliens. If you make it unpleasant for them to be here, guess what will happen? They won't be here anymore. They will self-deport and people will stop coming. We don't have to round up illegal aliens by the million and de- millions and deport every last one. They will leave themselves if they see that we're serious. That they're not going to be able to get a job because we're prosecuting employers. That they can't get welfare benefits. That they're always going to have to look over their shoulders if they try to stay here because we're actually conducting ICE raids and deporting people. They will leave. And future, those who haven't yet come here will decide not to if they see that that's what we're doing. But we're not doing that. So the ones that are here stay because they have no fear of being deported. And people continue to come because they see that we're not serious. Part of the problem that I have in relating 
relating to, to the Republican Party anymore. And one of the things that makes doing political commentary from my perspective so aggravating now is that people don't see it on our side. Few people see it. They don't see what's coming. They have no appreciation whatsoever for the dire straits that we're in. They're too busy just celebrating Trump's every tweet and focusing on whatever the shiny object of the day is. They're too busy telling each other that we're owning the libs. They're too busy telling each other that we're quote-unquote winning, that Trump is the greatest president in the United States history. You've heard, there have been stories, there's been polls that Republicans, a majority of Republicans, think Trump was the greatest president in American history. We have poll data, polling data that shows that. That's just lunacy. You could think Trump is a good president. They're fine. I don't think you're a serious person if you think he's the greatest president in American history or greater than George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. I think that's ridiculous. I think that's lunacy to say something like that. But th- that what that is what comes when your political party is no longer really a political party, but just a cult of personality. You give yourself over to your cult leader. And again, this isn't even a comment on Trump. It's on these people who look at him this way. Instead, they don't even look at him like a politician. You know, they don't treat any other politicians like this. None. These same people who think Trump walks on water, that every single thing that he does, every single thing that he says, is the most brilliant thing that has ever been done or said in the history of the world. This, that's how they treat him. But they don't treat anyone else like that. These people will jump all over their congressman, their senator, their governor. They don't give blind loyalty to any of those people. But they do with Trump. Look, there's reasons for it. I've talked about some of those reasons before, and we'll get into some of them again. Whatever the reason, it's nuts. And because of it, we've completely lost our ability to influence the president. It's not easy to do some of the things that need to be done. You're going to get a lot of bad press. They're going to say the most vile things about you if you do the things that I've suggested on illegal immigration. You're not going to get support from within your own party. You know, in terms of the elected leadership in Congress, you're not going to get support. But so what? Trump ran on being a different breed of politician, right? He's the only one who could get it done because he's not a politician. He's a businessman, blah, 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 blah. Yet, when I point out all the things that he could do and hasn't done, from these same people, these people that worship him, like he's something other than a human being, that he's some sort of, I don't know, divine being, some sort of demigod or whatever, all I get from these same people who tell me that Trump is not a politician. He's the only person. He's the greatest ever. He's the only person who can get it done. Nobody else could get it done. When I point out these things that he hasn't done, all they give to me are the same political excuses they make for everybody else or that everybody else makes on behalf of themselves. Oh, the Democrats won't help him. Oh, Paul Ryan. But he's not a dictator. All this garbage. Look, here's what's happening. 
We're losing the country to illegal immigration. If the trend that has been taking place in this country for the last few decades and is right now on steroids continues, Trump is almost certainly going to be the last Republican president for generations, if ever. That, let that sink in. And here's why I say that. And, and, and I'm not saying he won't be reelected. He may very well be reelected. But it will be the last time a Republican wins the presidency. Probably in your lifetime. And here's why I say that. Illegal immigration is changing the electorate. It's not on issues. It's on culture. It's on demographics. It's not on issues at all. And for that reason, it's beyond your ability to reach with arguments on the issues. Take a look at California. California is increasingly a third world shithole. They literally have human feces all over the streets of San Francisco and elsewhere. It looks like a third world country in parts of California. But it doesn't matter. They're going to continue to vote for the same politicians who turned it into a third world shithole. Because you cannot reach most of the voters in California with appeals based on issues, based on argumentation. They don't vote that way. They vote on identity. You can't reach people when they vote on identity with arguments based on economics or constitutional principles or anything else. You're not going to get these people in California to vote for you because you're going to slash regulations and uh, give you a tax cut. They don't care. You can't, you can't change the minds of people who vote on identity with appeals to political arguments. You, 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 you can't. Look at 1984. Not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. 1984. Ronald Reagan won re-election with the largest landslide victory in American history. He and Richard Nixon of 1972, the two biggest landslide victories in American history. Reagan lost only one state, Minnesota, because his opponent in the election, Walter Mondale, was a former vice president from Minnesota. That was the only state he lost. Reagan won every other state. Every other state, which is now deep blue, voted for Reagan not that long ago. Illinois, California, Rhode Island, all these deep, 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 hardcore communist states voted for Ronald Reagan. They're now gone. California, even in the 90s, was still a red state. Now it's, you know, it's, it's Venezuela North. It's beyond our reach. It's gone. Largest state in the union. What's it got, like 54 electoral votes? Gone. We have no chance of competing there. And it will continue to descend into chaos. More and more look like a third world shithole. And those people will continue to vote for Democrats. And it will go bluer and bluer and bluer. And we've seen state after state go from red to blue because of a demographic shift. Again, a shift that is beyond the reach of political argument. 
Colorado was a red state up until not too long ago. All these states, in the last 10 years, they've gone from red to blue. Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, they're gone now. And we are on the verge of losing several more. Arizona, I tell you these all the time. Arizona, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, and Texas. All turning blue. Texas is rapidly turning blue. Still got a little ways to go. But at the rate it's going, I would say this is the last election, last presidential election in which Texas votes for the Republican, if they do. My guess is Republicans... Win, Trump wins Texas in 2020. That's just a guess. But that's it. 2024, they vote Democrat. That's my that's my guess, just based on uh, the rapidity with which it is turning blue. But Texas could go blue this year, and I would not be surprised. Arizona is right on the verge. Anyways, these states are on the verge of flipping. We don't have much time. And once they do flip... And the thing, too, is these states are not flipping for the same reasons that, you know, Trump won some blue states last time that hadn't voted for Republicans in a while. Trump won Minnesota, uh, Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania last time. Republicans hadn't won those states in like 20 years or something. Uh, Trump won that time. But he won based on a confluence of events. He won because Hillary was a horrible candidate. The media told the whole country that Hillary was going to win in a landslide, so a lot of Democrats didn't even bother showing up because what's the point? Hillary's going to win anyway. And issues. Those are Rust Belt states who had severe manufacturing losses over the decades because of NAFTA and trade deals and other things going on in the economy, and Trump promised to fix those things. So those things came together created a perfect storm, and Trump snuck in and won by less than 1% in each one of those states. Okay, Those are the reasons those states flipped. Not the same reasons why all these other states I'm talking about are flipping, which are demographic, related to illegal immigration. And once, once a state flips for those reasons, for demographic reasons, they don't come back. They continue to turn blue, 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 and they become... They, they become ungettable for Republicans. They turn in, they go the way of California. You want to know what Texas's future is? Take a look at California. California 20 years ago is Texas today. Look at California now. That's Texas 20 years from now or less. The exact same forces at work that turned California from a red state a vibrant red state to the third world shithole that it is now, those are the, the exact same forces that are turning Texas right now. And the same thing's going to happen to Texas as happened to California. And once that happens, once we lose Texas and these other states, and we don't need to lose all of them, it's over. Republicans can't win at the national level anymore. We will not elect another Republican president. Tell me what will happen to the country then. The whole country will go the way of California. And all these people who just mindly celeb- mindlessly celebrate Trump's every move as if he were the second coming 
telling me that he's the greatest president ever, more accomplished than any other president in American history, which is just ridiculous. But whatever. All his accomplishments will mean nothing in the long run. Oh, his great economy. What's the economy going to be when all we do is elect Democrat presidents? The economy is going to be in the toilet. Trump's good economy and low unemployment rate is going to be a distant memory. No one's going to give a damn. It will make no long-term difference. Everything else he did will be undone. Oh, but Markey's appointing judges. Well, judges don't live forever. And when all we have are a succession of Democrat presidents, it's not going to be long before, you know, Trump's appointees are far outnumbered by Democrat appointees. And let me tell you something. Once these states flip and Democrats know they have a lock on the presidency, basically in perpetuity, they're not going to wait for the Supreme Court to flip on its own. They're not going to wait for justices to retire or, or you know, pass away on the court. They're going to wait for that. They're going to pack the court. They're just going to put more judges on the court. The Constitution does not require nine justices. That, that's the number we have stuck with out of tradition. But a president can nominate more than nine justices to the Supreme Court. And if the Senate confirms them, guess what? We're going to have more than nine justices. We could have a hundred justices on the Supreme Court if a president nominated them and the Senate confirmed them. So Democrats aren't going to wait for deaths and retirements. They're going to pack the court as soon as they feel confident that they have a complete lock on the presidency and won't suffer any negative consequences as a result of packing the court. They'll do it. In fact, they'll do it soon because they don't feel that it's going to be a negative to them. Almost every candidate running for president on the Democrat side right now has already promised to pack the court. So that's going to happen. So we don't have to wait. Trump's legacy on the courts is going to be a moot point in short order as well. Nothing Trump has done will matter because of what he hasn't done on illegal immigration. I take zero joy in saying that. I don't want to say that because of what it means to the future of our country, to the future of my family. I don't but this is tr the truth. This is my honest assessment of what's going on. And I don't think there's really any debate about it. But here's my problem. This is why... Anyways, we, we before I get to that, we have to... We've got to pressure Trump to act now. He's got to end birthright citizenship. All right, I'm, I'm going to get to some articles here in a second. All right. I don't want to belabor this point anymore. Got some dis some issues I need to discuss with you. But everything that I've been saying right now, I have been trying to say for months and months and months, if not more than a year. The problem is nobody on our side wants to hear it. I'm not deluding myself here, okay? What I have to say, my opinion, my read on, on politics right now, does not make me a popular guy inside the Republican Party. Nobody wants to hear this. Very few people want to hear it. All they want to hear is mindless cheerleading. That's all anyone wants to hear. And because of social media and because of Fox News 
and MSNBC and the polarization of media. People on both sides. And I don't care about the other side. The other side's nuts. We all know that. So I don't need to do the equivalency thing. Okay, I, I get it. The other side's crazy. They're uninformed. They're All of that. But when our side is, is just as uninformed, that, then we have a problem. And that's what we have. People on our side only get their news from places that confirm their own bias, just like the left does. They just listen to Fox News or Rush Limbaugh or whatever. All these places are telling them the exact same thing. Democrats are socialists and crazy, which is largely largely true. Um, and, de- and, and Trump is the greatest president in American history. That's, that's pretty much the gist. Now, the problem is you don't get any balance. You don't get any criticisms. I mean, most people, if you just watch Fox News, listen to Rush Limbaugh and other like outlets that give you the same sort of perspective, you don't have any clue what's really going on in the country. Our side doesn't even bother talking about illegal immigration anymore. Why? Because the truth is, if we did, people might get mad at Trump for not doing anything about it. So we can't talk about that. So we don't hear illegal immigration anymore. And to the extent we do it all, the blame just gets is completely on, on everyone else but Trump. Oh, it's Congress, it's the court, it was Paul Ryan, whatever, but Trump is completely blameless. And so when we say Trump is completely blameless, then we feel no pressure, no, we don't have any reason to put any pressure on Trump. Why would we pressure Trump? He's doing everything he can. Well, that's not true. But people on our side think it's true. They're convinced it's true. That's what they've been told by the media sources they choose to listen to. And they don't listen to any other media sources. So everything, they first of all, they want to believe that Trump is doing every single thing he can on illegal immigration and that any failure is everyone else's fault. It's not his fault. So they already want to believe that. They want to give him a pass. And then they get their news from Fox News, Rush Limbaugh, whatever. Uh, that bias is confirmed because that's what they're being told from those outlets. And so they believe it, absolutely believe it, that there's nothing more that Trump can do. Well, that is demonstrably untrue. And when people like me come along and try to exert pressure on Trump, try to get people to realize, you know, there's more that Trump can do and we need to pressure him to act. When someone like me comes along and says that, we get attacked. How dare you say that? That's not true. You're lying. That's just propaganda. You must be a never-Trumper. You hate Trump. Why are you trying to divide? Are you trying to beat him in 2020? You want the Democrats to win? That's all people like me get. Because most of the Republican base are, are brainwashed to some degree. They don't know. They honestly believe there's nothing more the president can do. And if you try to tell them any different, then you are the enemy. Instead, if ours was a healthy party, what we would be doing is realizing that we're on the verge of political annihilation and that we have to stop illegal immigration. And it's not just for politics that we need to stop illegal immigration. It, it's destroying the country besides, you know, a, apart from politics. Look what it's doing to our healthcare system, to our schools, to our communities. 
People are being murdered and raped and killed by drunk drivers. The list of, of horrible things that results from wave upon wave, millions and millions of illegal aliens. We have tens of millions of them. 30, 40, 50 million illegal aliens in this country right now. The problems that creates is destroying the country from within. Beyond the political ramifications to the Republican Party. Which is only going to make the, the situation worse once the Republicans are cut off from the White House forever. What we should be doing is realizing what's actually going on. Realizing that Trump is not doing everything he can to stop illegal immigration right now. And to deport the people who are here illegally. We would realize that and we would be pressuring the president to do something. To, to do what we elected him to do, to fully exercise his constitutional authorities and to fully enforce existing law, neither of which he is doing to the fullest extent. And that's the reason we have this ongoing invasion across our southern border. If we were a healthy movement, a healthy Republican Party, we would be pressuring him to do these things. We would be calling the White House to complain. We'd be writing letters. We'd be sending faxes. We'd be sending emails. We'd be tweeting at him. We'd be commenting on Facebook. We'd be doing all these things that you do to pressure the president to act. We don't do any of it. All we do is the mindless cheerleading. He's the greatest president ever. He's the only one who's ever kept his promises. Anything bad is not his fault. It's Paul Ryan. It's blah, 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 Congress, courts, whatever. It's everyone else's fault. Well, if it's everyone else's fault, and he's the greatest president ever, and he's doing everything he can, well, then why would we criticize him? There's nothing to criticize. There's nothing to pressure. There's nothing more he can do. So why would we try to put pressure on a man who's already doing everything that he can? That's where we're at. Of course, that's not the reality of the situation at all. He's not doing virtually anything effective, and he's not coming anywhere close to fully exercising his statutory and constitutional authority to stop illegal immigration. Not, not, not anywhere close. That's the truth. You know it, and I know it, but few other people on the Republican side know it, and almost nobody wants to hear it. And if you try to tell them, you get attacked. And it is for that reason, not because I'm getting attacked, that's not the reason, but it's like there's so few people who want to hear the message I have, and I'm not, if I'm not reaching that many people, and all I'm doing is getting attacked, and it's just falling on deaf ears, and I'm having absolutely no effect, then it's like, well, what the hell am I doing this for? All right? The country's going to go to hell whether I keep doing this or not, and who needs the aggravation? You know, it takes a lot of time to do this. It costs money for me to do this. As you'll notice, there's no sponsors on this show. Now, I, I don't work for some network and I get a salary. I'm, this is self-financed. Now, I would love if this podcast were to grow sufficiently um, or, you know, I get a contract, some network somewhere to do this. Uh, that would be wonderful. But that's not why I started this, and it's not why I'm doing it now. I'm doing it because no one else is doing it. No one else is saying this stuff. To be honest with you, if there were other people with bigger voices saying this, there'd be no reason for me to be doing this. And I could go do other stuff and just 
wash my hands of the aggravation. But as of right now, and I told you this is still a work in progress in my head thinking about this, but as of right now, I've decided, at least for now, I'm going to keep doing this. Because I feel it's my obligation to do it. I told you we do serious patriotism here. You know, I don't know what else to do. I'm trying to do what I can to try to wake people up and inform them. You know, we each have to use our gifts and our talents, I guess, as best we, we can figure to use them. One of the things that I have to offer is that I understand the issues, especially from a constitutional point of view, legal, legal point of view. And I see the landscape out there of political commentary and news and information and what passes for commentary on the Republican side. And these people are, are they either have no idea what they're talking about or they have become such sellout hacks that they are not even interested in honest conversation like I'm trying to do here. All they're doing, they are either just mindless hacks themselves and all they are interested in doing is just mindless praise of Trump and excuses, or else they're just giving their audiences what they know their audiences want to hear. But whatever the reason, and it's, I'm sure it's different one person to the next, but whatever the reason, no one else is saying any of this stuff. They're keeping everyone ignorant. Look at this omnibus bill for crying out loud. 2,000 plus pages, it's got amnesty, it's got welfare, it raises the smoking age, nobody even told us that was in there. And there's so much in there. This is completely contrary to what, how this co country is even supposed to operate. This is not how a, an elect, a, a constitutional representative republic is supposed to work. Uh, the people we elect pass 2,000-page bills that they haven't read in the den of night, and we don't get to find out what the new laws are until after they've been signed by the president into law. And, of course, the president didn't read it either. The members of Congress who voted on it didn't read it. This is lunacy, what's going on. And people in talk media, don't care. And conservative media, don't care. No criticism. Why? Well, because Trump signed it. And if we do any, if we, we are critical of the omnibus bill, well, then that's the same as being critical of Trump because he signed it. Now, to the extent any of them even try to pretend to have any integrity, they might try to criticize the bill but without giving Trump any of the blame. So they'll, they'll, they'll criticize the bill, but then make excuses. Well, it wasn't his fault. It's a stupid Congress. They made him do it. Uh, he had to do it or else he wouldn't get any funding for the military. I mean, the, the excuses are endless. In fact, I might want to do an episode where we just talk about some of the excuses. Just so that I can shoot them all down. So that we can understand that these bullshit excuses are just that. So this, this is kind of my problem. <laughs> this, is, this is where my head is at with all this. This is why I've been so frustrated. We're on the verge of collapse as, as a Republican Party. And we're, we're on the verge of becoming a one-party country at the federal level. And once that happens, the whole entire country is going to go the direction of California. And what does that mean for our future? What does that mean for your children and your grandchildren? It's not good, but that's where we're headed, and we are very close. And that's the thing, too. 
even to the extent people recognize that we've got serious problems in, in this regard, they don't realize how close we are. We don't have the luxury of time. So one of the excuses I get frequently is, Wow, what do you expect me to do? It's only been three years. You expect too much. He's not a dictator. He's not... Just whatever the excuse. Excuses, excuses. The excuses won't matter. Yes, it's hard. But here's the problem. We have put all of this off for so long. We are now at the point where we cannot operate on normal political timescales anymore. We have to get this all done now, immediately, with urgency, or we're done. We are that close. And so, yeah, that's why we elected Trump. Trump was making big, huge, bold promises on illegal immigration. Not the same lukewarm, you know, oh, we got to, we got to, um, you know, do border enforcement and blah, just the the crap that Republicans usually say but don't really mean. No, Trump came out with big, bold promises. We're going to build a wall across the entire southern border. Mexico's going to pay for it. Remember that? Don't hear that much anymore. Mexico's going to pay for it. We're going to stop illegal immigration completely. We're going to have mass deportations. All of this. Big promises. None of it. None of it is happening. Not in any significant degree. You know, 50 miles of border wall, or most of it is just replacement fencing. That's a far cry from I'm going to build a wall across the whole southern border and Mexico is going to pay for it. Meanwhile, we got 50 miles and we're begging Congress. Really? We went from Mexico paying for it to just begging for crumbs from Congress. Okay, those... Well, Mark, he never really meant Mexico was going to pay for it. Then why did he say it? I mean, is that, that's a good defense now? Oh, he was just lying. Oh, okay, he was just lying. Well, that makes me feel better. Well, Mark, it's not realistic that Mexico is going to pay. No, not directly. But we could have made Mexico pay. Why, why aren't we taxing remittances? Huh? Why are we giving them any foreign aid? There's lots of ways we can take the money out of Mexico's ass. We're not doing it. And I don't even care about Mexico paying for it. I would happily fork over the money for it. I can think of no better way to spend our money than to build a 50-foot wall across our entire southern border. I'd be happy to pay for that. So it's not even the Mexico part. I don't care about Mexico paying for it. I, honestly, I never believed it. It was always ridiculous. Mexico was never going to pay for it. But they could have paid for it indirectly, certainly. But we are right up on the verge, man. We are... So close to losing it all, normal political timescales for doing things aren't going to work anymore because we've kicked this can down the road for so long, there's no more road to kick it down. We're at the end of the road. So all of these things that we should have been doing for years have to be done now. 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 But it's not. And we're not demanding it be done either. And so that, that, this is how I see the world right now. And let me tell you something. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope I'm completely wrong. Because you know what? I have zero faith that we're actually going to do any of this stuff. Zero faith. I have no expectation whatsoever that any of this stuff is going to be done. 
and that the the future that I warn about will be prevented. I think it's coming, and it may be too late already. Honestly. But, you know, until it's all lost and I've got to go move to up, up on the mountain and fortify, you know, dig in and defend my property up in the mountain somewhere. <laughs> until, I, until I reach that point, I'm going to keep trying to wake people up. Unless and until I say, oh, you know what the hell, it's not worth it. And I, some days I teeter, I teeter on the edge. Do I keep doing it or do I say, oh, to hell with it? Right now, I'm going to keep doing it because nobody else is or very few people. I mean, there are some people. I don't want to say I'm the only person. I'm not. There are a few others. But, you know, we're a drop in the ocean compared to all the other commentary out there which is just ignoring all of our problems and just distracted by the shiny objects and the mindless praise of Trump and all of that nonsense. All right, let me get to a couple articles here to give you some idea of the scope of the problem and why I think, you know, look, if your house is on fire, man, you scream for the fire department to get there and put the fire out. You do everything you can to, to throw as much water on that fire, put it out as quickly as you possibly can. You don't dither. If your house is on fire, it's an emergency. Our house is on fire. We don't have time for the same old nonsense. Here's an article that came out. This is from One American News Network. What is, uh, where was this? Oh, yeah. Oh, this was yesterday. Study, nearly 400,000 anchor babies born in 2019. Let that number sink in. 400,000 anchor babies. That means children of illegal aliens. People who have no legal right to be here. 400,000 babies born to these people. And because we are fools... And because Trump has not issued the executive order to end birthright citizenship for the children of illegal aliens, as he promised to do more than a year and a half ago, every one of those 400,000 anchor babies is now an American citizen. And guess what? None of those people are now going to be deported. They're all going to be, you know, eligible for welfare, um, public education, and on and on and on and on and on. All right, here's from the story. The number of babies born to illegal immigrants... Get this. The number of babies born to illegal immigrants surpassed American births in nearly all 50 states last year. You get that? There were more anchor babies. Babies born to the children of illegal immigrants. More of them were born last year in the United States than American children. Than than children to American parents. You don't tell me, you don't think our, our national house is on fire? You don't think this is an existential threat, to use that overly used term, to the future of our country, politically speaking? <sighs> Analysis by the Center for Immigration Studies shows nearly 400,000 so-called anchor babies were born in the U.S. in 2019. Data from 2018 reveals about 300,000 anchor babies were born in the U.S. every year. These children immediately gain American citizenship, which extends financial, legal, and social benefits to their illegal alien parents. 
President Trump has yet to sign an executive order to end the policy, which critics say incentivizes illegal immigrants. So there you have it. 400,000 in 2019, 300,000 the year before. And this is every year. And we now have more babies being born to illegal immigrant parents than are being born to American parents. Every single year now. Just think about that since Trump has been president. Say it's, you know, say it's 300,000, not 400,000. Over three years, that's almost a million anchor babies born since Trump took office. Where's that damn executive order? You know, and when I bring that up, I get excuses for that too. Oh, well, here's the favorite one. Well, an executive order could be undone by the next president. So it's better if we can uh, wait and get something passed through Congress. Are you freaking shitting me? First of all, if we don't start acting like our political house is on fire right now, there's not going to be another Republican president. There's not, so it doesn't matter. We're never going to get that through Congress. And even if for, by some miracle we got a conservative Congress that actually would pass such a thing, which they're not going to, we're not going to have a Republican president to sign it. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, for those of you who are saying, oh, we just got to wait for the second term because we got to get Trump reelected and we take back the House and the Senate. The chances of us taking back the House and keeping the Senate are not very good. Taking back the House is a long shot at best. We already have a significant deficit. And then on top of that, we've had like 30 Republicans announce their retirements. So the chances of us taking back the House are, are zip. You know, just a little better than zip. The, the Senate, same deal. Not as bad. We might, might, if we get really lucky, hold on with like a one-seat majority in the Senate. Um, even money or better is on us losing the Senate. And it's, Anyways, whatever. So the point is we're not going to get a law on birthright citizenship, to end birthright citizenship. So if we can't get a law, then at least let's do an executive order. Because if Trump had done the executive order on day one, that's about a million anchor babies who would not have American citizenship right now. Because Trump didn't issue that executive order on day one, which he could have, we now have about a million more anchor babies and their parents. Okay, a million anchor babies. How many parents is that now? Do the math on that. You know, parents, and if there's uh, siblings, they're all getting to stay now. We're not going to deport any of them. And they're going to be in our public schools. Uh, we're going to give them free health care and welfare and all of this. All right, so there's your... Hey, here, 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 I got a little video clip here. Um, if you don't want to listen to me, here is uh, Tucker Carlson recently talking about this. Well, under current American law, every person born on our soil automatically becomes a citizen. It doesn't matter if their parents are tourists to this country or here legally or even spies seeking to undermine our country. Congress could change that law, obviously, but they don't actually care, so they won't. What effect does it have? Well, according to the Center for Immigration Studies, last year about 372,000 anchor babies were born in the United States. Their parents had no legal right to be here. Those children allow their parents, though, to qualify for a whole suite of welfare benefits, and of course their parents will never be forced to leave the country. 
That's just one of the many ways that America's open borders have turned into a disaster for this country. Laura Lowe. Okay, so there's Tucker Carlson saying the same thing. Tucker Carlson is one of the few people out there who will point this stuff out. But here's the problem. And I don't know if it's because he doesn't want to do it or because Fox management won't let him do it. But whatever the reason, Tucker Carlson will identify the problem, as he just did. He'll walk right up to the line, but then he will not take the next step and say what needs to be said. And that is demand Trump to act. Now, admittedly, I didn't I didn't watch this show. Uh, I am just found a clip of the show to play here today. It is possible that he put pressure on Trump uh, later in the segment or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but most of the time when I'm listening to Tucker on something like this, he'll identify the issue. He'll have a good um, commentary on it. But then he stops short of pressuring Trump or giving Trump any of the blame. Here he identified Congress. Oh, Congress won't do anything about it. But no acknowledgement of Trump a year and a half ago promising an executive order to stop this. And by the way, if you if you don't know enough about the issue to understand that Trump could end this by executive order, let me just explain it to you real quick. There is no law on the books that gives citizenship to the children of illegal aliens. There's no law. Congress has never passed such a law. If it did, then Trump couldn't undo that by executive order. But there is no such law. The Constitution does not require uh, birthright citizenship to the children of illegal aliens. That is an, uh, an intentional misinterpretation and bastardization of the 14th Amendment. The 14th Amendment does not um, require that at all. We do it. We give birthright citizenship to children of illegal aliens born on our, our soil because of bureaucratic tradition, for lack of a better term. They just do it. Trump can end it by executive order. He can say, for the purposes of uh, the executive branch, this is what the interpretation of the 14th Amendment means, and we are not conferring citizenship on the children of illegal aliens. There's been no Supreme Court uh, opinion to the contrary either. So Trump could do this right now. So all the excuses you might have heard about this, these people don't know what they're talking about. Trump could do it. And, you know, Tucker, at least in this clip here, and like I said, I didn't watch the show. Um, no pressure on Trump, no blame on Trump. You know, no calling on Trump to issue the executive order that he promised a year ago. Nothing. This is the problem. Even when we identify the issue, and few people even identify the issues anymore, few people go anywhere near what Tucker Carlson just talked about. What I talk about all the time. Few people even go anywhere near it. And almost nobody takes the next step to try to pressure Trump. Because, look, I know from personal experience, the second you do that, you get attacked by the right-wing mob. You get attacked by the conservative cultist mob that our party has become. They don't want to hear it. You can't blame Trump. How dare you suggest that Trump is to blame. How dare you su can suggest how dare you suggest that there's anything more that Trump can do? Don't you know that Trump is doing everything he can already? It's not his fault. It's Congress's fault. It's the court's fault. So you you can't have a serious conversation and if you can't if you cannot have a serious conversation about the things that Trump could do but so far hasn't done, then there's no way to hold him to account. There's no way to Put pressure on him to try to influence him to do it. There's no way. 
If all you do is make excuses for him and say that he's doing everything he can and it's everyone else's fault, then he has he feels zero pressure to do anything. And it's obvious that he doesn't want to do it for whatever reason. Because it's too hard, because he doesn't really believe it to begin with and he just said it to get elected. I don't know, and it doesn't really matter. The point is, we're three years in. If Trump were serious about stopping illegal immigration and doing the things with respect to stopping it that he had promised, he would have done it by now. But he hasn't. So he clearly doesn't want to. If left to his own, with no pressure, he's not going to do those things. So the only way we're going to get him to do those things is to apply pressure to him. But we can't apply pressure to him because our entire Republican Party is caught up, caught up in this cult of personality crap. And our entire conservative media, with a few exceptions here and there, don't even talk about the issues, and almost nobody holds Trump responsible in any way for any of it. So I'm one of the few. I am one of the few, and, you know, I'm a small fry. And the other people, um, the couple that I know of who are also saying similar things, they're small fries in the grand scheme of things, too. Compared to Fox News and Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and Mark Levin uh, and all these other people... We're nothing. We're a drop in the ocean. We make no difference. So that's one of the reasons, again, that I just, I wake up and I'm like, why even freaking bother? All right. Here's another one. This is uh, a, from Breitbart, but it's about an article that appeared in the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal is behind a paywall, so I couldn't get the uh, article and I'm not going to subscribe to it. Anyways, here is what Breitbart wrote. Uh, when was this? Uh, January 4. Wall Street Journal. Democrat, uh, a demographic shift helping to replace Trump's base of support. A report by the Wall Street Journal, Journal details a, quote, demographic shift with the help of more than 1.2 million legal immigrants being admitted to the United States every year is changing the American electorate in favor of Democrats. So like I've been saying, it's not just illegal immigration. Now, mostly I just talk about illegal immigration, but really it's both. The problem is I can't even get people to take the problem of illegal immigration seriously anymore. And if there's no way they're even going to go anywhere near criticizing our current levels of legal immigration, because that's one of the virtue signaling that our side does. Okay, they'll say, well, I'm against illegal immigration, but I'm totally supportive of legal immigration as if it makes a freaking difference whether they come in here legally or illegally when they come in in such numbers. If you bring in people in such ridiculously large numbers, it doesn't matter whether they came here legally or illegally. We cannot assimilate this many people. We can't. So we're, we're becoming an increasingly balkanized country and it's tearing us apart. You cannot, well, whatever. All right, continuing with the article. Trump's white work, anyways, that was 1.2 million legal immigrants every year. Keep that number in mind. That's a big number. Trump's white working class base of support, the journal notes, is expected to decline in population by about 2.3% in time for the 2020 presidential election. White working class gonna, gonna, uh, Decline in population by 2.3% from 2016 to 2020. And you don't think 
that that's going to have political consequences that benefit Democrats and harms Republicans. Projections, uh, no, let me see here. Um, States of Change demographer Ray Teixeira told the journal that the demographic change is making states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, Florida, and North Carolina increasingly difficult for Republicans to win. Notice several of those states are ones that I, I talk about repeatedly. Projections by Mr. Teixeira and his colleagues find that the declining presence of working-class whites as eligible voters, if considered in isolation from other factors, would be enough to tip Michigan and Pennsylvania from narrow Trump wins into narrow Democrat wins, while producing the barest of margins in favor of Democrats in Wisconsin. Mr. Trump won each state by less than one percentage point, or a combined 77,000 votes. That's it. That's all he won by. Now, if that were to happen... If he holds on to Wisconsin, but he loses Michigan and Pennsylvania, guess what? He just lost the election. He cannot win if he loses those two states. Projected changes in the eligible electorate, holding other factors the same as in the last election, also narrow Mr. Trump's winning 2016 margin in three swing states in the Sun Belt, Arizona, Florida, and North Carolina. If he were to rely on working-class white voters to make up the ground he loses to demographic change, Mr. Trump would need to raise turnout by that group by three percentage points in Pennsylvania and Michigan and one point in Wisconsin. For years, the establishment media has admitted that the nation's changing electorate, almost entirely due to mass legal immigration, is dooming the Republican Party in elections across Orange County, California, and now Virginia. Under current legal immigration levels, the U.S. is on track to import about 15 million new foreign-born voters in the next two decades. Those 15 million new foreign-born voters include about 8 million who will arrive in the country through chain migration, whereby newly naturalized citizens can bring an unlimited number of foreign relatives to the country. In the upcoming 2020 election, about 1 in 10 U.S. voters will have been born outside the country. Likewise, Hispanic Americans are set to outpace black Americans as the largest voting minority group in this year's election. Ron Brownstein, editor of The Atlantic, notes that nearly 90% of House congressional districts with foreign-born population above the national average were won by Democrats. This means that every congressional district with a foreign-born population exceeding roughly 14% had a 90% chance of being controlled by Democrats and only a 10% chance of electing Republicans. Okay, so put it simply, the more immigrants, legal immigrants, that you have, the more likely they're going to vote Democrat. So in any congressional district that has a foreign-born population of 14% or more, 90% chance that that, that, um, that that district elects the Democrat. Okay, this is what's happening all across the country. Okay, here's another one. You might have heard this. Um, like a week ago, week and a half ago, there was an article about some census numbers that said a surge in immigrants is going to take 24 House seats from states that Trump won and give them to Democrat states. So, you know, every 10 years, we do a census. And based upon that census, we allocate congressional districts per state. 
and the Electoral College. Okay, so a state's electoral college vote is this is the number of congressmen and senators from that state. That's how you get the number of elect, uh, electors for each state. Okay, and in these preliminary census figures indicate that there's going to be a shift of 24 House seats from red states to blue states because of immigration, shifting this country to the left. Now, a couple days ago, uh, another analysis came out and said, oh, hold on, that may not be right. It might actually be shifting some of those congressional st states seats from blue states to red states. And that made people on our side all very excited. See? Immigration isn't hurting Trump, it's helping Trump. Red states are picking up additional seats. Um, but of course, it takes a serious person like me and not a mindless cheerleader uh, to point out to you the truth of that number, even if that's true. And red states are actually picking up congressional districts, congressional seats, and hence electoral votes. Here's the problem. They are picking up those seats because of population growth due to immigration. And it is that very population growth due to immigration that is turning those states blue. So just because we are adding congressional seats and electoral votes to states that Trump won is irrelevant. And that's not the important point. The important point is that is more evidence that these red states that Trump won are turning blue, and pretty soon, they're not going to be red states. <sighs> but you're not going to hear that anywhere else, because all you get is the cheerleading. All you get is the nonsense. All you get are the hot takes. All right, so that, those are just a few articles. That's just a sampling of what's out there to prove my point to you that we are on the verge of losing this country politically to the left. And once we lose this country politically, we're going to lose this country in all other ways, culturally, economically. We're going the way of California. But our side doesn't see it yet because it hasn't yet happened. We haven't flipped these few more states. Trump, after all, is president. He won the last election. So everything's great, right? Wrong. Everyone, people on our side, all there's, you know, they're just, just cheering, you know, because of Trump, he's turning everything around. Um, we're going to get a huge share of the black vote and the Hispanic vote. And uh, Trump is going to win in a landslide and all this stuff. They're telling themselves this and they're ignoring what is right in front of them, what is happening, what all the data suggests is happening. We're losing the country exactly as I have been warning about for well over a year. Every day, more information comes out that proves that what I'm telling you is right. And nobody wants to hear it. They just want to hear the mindless cheerleading. And these people are not going to get it until it's too damn late. You know, the time to warn is before something happens when you can ha when you have an opportunity to prevent it from happening. But your warnings, unless people heed them, aren't going to change anything. And that's where I feel like I'm at. Nobody else is joining me in this, or very, very, very few people are joining me in this. And so, my message, this message, 
what you and I know is going on is not even being acknowledged by people on our side. And as a result, there's no pressure to do the things that must be done to prevent it, thus guaranteeing that it's going to happen. And it's only when Texas turns blue or something like that that people on our side will wake the hell up. And they're going to be shocked. How did this happen? They're just going to be ringing their... How the hell did this happen? They're going to be shocked and stunned. And I'm going to be sitting here going, you freaking morons. I've been telling you for how long? And now... And by the way, after they all would have blocked me on Twitter and stopped listening to me and all, all this, because that's what's happening. You know, um, it used to be, you know, on my social media sites back when Barack Obama was president and early in the Trump administration, I was adding followers hand over fist. Thousands and thousands a month. Every month I was adding new followers but as I started to realize that Trump is not doing what he should be doing or said he was going to do and started to become critical, again, not just to be critical, but to try to influence him to do those things, once I started speaking out in that way, um, my growth stopped and started reversing. And in the last, like, just take Twitter, for example, just, just as an example, just because I'm, um, I'm familiar with my Twitter numbers. Um, I'm, and I'm not a huge account. I have like 126,000 followers on, on Twitter. That's not a huge account by any means. Um, but not a couple months ago, I had 131,000. So do the math. What I've lost like 5,000 followers in the last month or two. People don't want to hear it. They get angry. They attack, they tune out, they block you so they don't, they don't even have to hear what you're saying. It's, it's not that people, it's not just disagreement. Like, well, I don't, I don't think you're right about that, Mark. It's like, no, I don't want to hear it. How dare you say that? And then that attack you personally. Because the only reason you would say something like that is because you're a never Trumper or some other ridiculous thing. You're fake MAGA, you're a Democrat plant, and I'm not even going to listen to anything you have to say. Even though I back up everything I say, they don't want to hear it. That's, that's our entire Republican Party, generally speaking. Obviously not everybody. But generally speaking, that's our party. They don't want to hear anything except mindless cheerleading. And because of that, we have absolutely zero chance of forcing Trump to do anything. Zero chance. So now we are in a position where we're going to have an election in November and our choices are between Trump who hasn't really done anything effective to stop illegal immigration, his number one promise and the single most important issue by far making everything else irrelevant by comparison. So he's done nothing on that. Our choice is between that or the crazy leftist, whoever it is that the Democrats nominate. So, best case scenario, Trump wins a second term. And then what? Well, who the hell knows? If past is prologue, then we're just going to get more of this. Just endless tweeting and no action. And we're going to go further and further to the left. This demographic change that the Wall Street Journal writes about is just going to get worse and worse and worse. 
And what's going to happen is that in 2024, the Democrats going to win. And then every election thereafter, the Democrats going to win. That's what's going to happen. Because by then, even if Trump wins his second term, um, the demographic change that is underway right now and is on steroids over what it was just a few years ago is going to ensure that Trump is the last Republican president, just as I said. And it will be his failure to do anything about illegal immigration that guarantees that he is the last Republican president. And the reason why he has failed to do those things is because we, the base voters of the Republican Party, have refused to put any pressure on Trump whatsoever. Instead of pushing, putting pressure on Trump, we have just cheerleaded mindlessly like little robots, little clapping seals, just applauding and saying he's the greatest everything. He's the greatest president in the history of the world. He's doing everything. Blah, 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 blah. That's all. No pressure whatsoever. And I am convinced that if we did pressure him, he would do those things. But we don't pressure him, so he doesn't. That's on us. Because I don't think this, when we look, at, look back on it from the hindsight of history, and we won't have to wait 30 years to look back on it in this way. We'll be able to look back on it a year or two after Trump leaves office. Uh, if he loses the election in November, we, we can look back in a year from now, <laughs> a year, year and a half from now, and start realizing this. That the Trump presidency, unless things turn on a dime right now and we start pressuring him, the Trump presidency will have been the greatest blown opportunity in the history of the republic. Because it was our last chance to save ourselves from the future that's bearing down on us right now. And we did nothing. And I'm sorry, folks, it's not just Trump's fault. It's our fault. Because if we had taken our citizenship seriously... If we had done serious patriotism like I talked about, we would have been pressuring him from day one to do everything he could to stop this invasion. That's what we would have been doing, but we didn't. Instead, we've given ourselves over to a cult of personality and mindless cheerleading. And for that reason, Trump has not done any of the hard things that needed to be done. That's on us. It's our fault. It's the Republican voters' fault. Every bit as much as it is Trump's, if not more so, because he's a politician, right? I know you like to tell yourselves, oh, he's a businessman. He's not a politician. He's a politician making political calculations like every other one of them does. And part of that means oftentimes he takes the path of least resistance and he makes political calculations when he does these things. It would be a lot easier if I, if I just stopped fighting for border wall funding. It would be a lot easier. You know, I could put the military on the border to secure the border, but man, I'd have a lot of blowback. And people would tell me I'm a dictator and all this stuff. I don't really want to go down that road. And luckily, my party isn't demanding that I do that. So it's just a lot easier for me not to bother with it. And that's what's happening. He takes the path of least resistance because we don't put any pressure on him. That's where we are, and that is our problem going forward. That has been our problem for the last three years. It's worse now than ever, and that continues to be our problem. And we will continue 
to go down the path towards destruction, political destruction, on which we are right now, because we don't do anything different. And anyways, as long as I'm here, I'm going to be pointing these things out. As long as I'm here. Um, so that's it. In terms of me being here, I have a favor to ask of you. Please help me spread the podcast. Right? I, it's got to grow through word of mouth. You need to tell like-minded people, serious people, and people who potentially have an open mind to listen to this podcast and keep an open mind. Okay? And don't just turn out when I say the first critical thing of Trump and you get all angry. and blah, blah. Tell these people they got to suck it up and push through and just listen. And listen to multiple episodes and put them on to other people who might be saying the same thing. They got to start waking up. Before it's too late. So help me spread the podcast. Thank you for listening. And until again, remember, continue to fight the left and the mindless fools in the Republican Party like your freedom depended on it. Because it does. <laughs>